40 days. I wonder what your focus is for these 40 days, whether you've decided you're going to give something up, whether you're going to take something up, whether you're going to engage more. Uh, but we're, we're, we're thinking about that in our sermon series, Lent, uh, thinking differently. What I find fascinating about the fact that it's 40 days and Jesus spent 40 days in the wilderness that we'll come to is actually people who know about brains these days say that it takes 40 days to think differently for the neurons in your brain to fire differently. If, you've, if you have an established way of thinking, you have to think it differently for 40 days for it to become a natural habit in your, in your mind. So there you go. So hopefully you'll be thinking much healthier in 38, oh, no, like 35 days' time. Great. Pat yourself on the back if you think you're doing well so far in Lent. But be careful of pride. <laughs> so it's race week coming up. Ooh, okay. Um, I wonder what the temptations are for you. This morning I'm talking about temptations. I wonder what the temptations might be. Is it that you're going to blow another 15 grand on horses? Is it that you're going to blow the same amount on alcohol? What are your temptations? Or is it that that you might just hunker down in your house all this week and just hide from what's happening in Cheltenham? Uh, and not engage, and not go out on prayer walk, and just go, okay, well, you have your darkness week, Cheltenham. We're just going to be in our little huddles light, because that is a temptation, isn't it? I wonder if we could be out there shining some light and standing up for the stuff that God would be standing up for, and hanging out with the people Jesus would be hanging out with. Wouldn't that be great? Well, the Bible says uh, that the enemy, that Jesus has come to give us life and life to the... Some of you know that verse, that's okay if you don't. Uh, and, but the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Except like Andrew last week, I made a spelling mistake when I was writing it uh, and, and wrote dis- D-story. Ooh, that's good, isn't it? The thief comes to steal, kill, and D-story. I want to talk to you today and say that actually there's an enemy who wants to rob you of, of being a part of God's story. God's got a plan. He's up to some amazing stuff in Cheltenham and this, t- and this nation. Uh, but we could easily be robbed of being part of the story if we give in to our sinful nature, if we give in to the fleshy bits that just want to sit, stay, binge watch some films or whatever it is that, that grabs your attention and, and distracts you from God. So we want to stand against the enemy. And we want to put off the sinful nature. Uh, I'm not going to spend t- uh, too much time. If you, get, if you really want to do some homework, and I know you guys look like the homework types, just read through the whole of Galatians. It is so rich when it comes to the spirit and the flesh. I'm not going to go there so much, but we'll, we'll, if we get around to it, we'll, we'll try our best. I wonder what are the distractions that might destory you. The temptation to stay up late the night before you need energy for your kids. And the next day you're shouting at your kids for being ridiculous and actually maybe it was you. <laughs> trying, to, trying to avoid actual parents eye contact there. The temptation to accept less in your relationships. Karis and I had a couple of grumpy evenings this week. You should have said, you idiot, David, not all. <laughs> what about the, 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 the temptation not to address the argument you had and therefore just to, to learn to live politely distant. How about that for an awful phrase when it comes to marriage and your relationships to become politely distant? There's a temptation. What about the temptation to compromise your health for a short-term fix? There's a temptation. 
I want to hit some key truths from the Bible that will just frame us to, to start with. The first from 1 Corinthians 10, 13. Please, Jonathan, it's going to be on the screen. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, humankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. It's good. also means we don't have too many excuses like we might hope. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. Framing temptation a little bit. And here's one that's really helpful, Hebrews 4.15 about temptation. This is, this is one of the reasons I love God. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. So someone who's come and been human and said, this is possible. But not only has he been human and said, this is possible, by not giving in to temptation and doing exactly the opposite of what Adam did back in the day, he also made a way through his death on the cross. But let's not get ahead of ourselves too much. We're, we're going to be in Luke, if you want to turn your Bibles to Luke. We've got Bibles down here if you uh, want one. Um, turn it on your phone. Luke chapter 4. And we're going to be reading from verse 1. It's going to be on the screen. Thank you. So the context of this, Jesus has just been baptized. The Holy Spirit came upon him like a dove. Uh, and then he's been led out into the wilderness. So Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, where for 40 days he was tempted, A, by the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone. The devil then led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want. If you worship me, it will all be yours. How much of marketing is, is, is around that exact phrase? If, if you worship, desire me, the world could be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Thanks, Jonathan. The, the, the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here. For it, it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered, it is said, do not Put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. Fascinating story. We're going to delve into that in a, in a, in a moment. They're called the temptations of Jesus. Uh, I've recommended this before already, but uh, as we're in Lent, The Spirit of Lent, Paula Gooder, Let Me Go There, a really helpful book. But she talks about the temptations of Jesus and actually suggests that you could rather call them the testings. She says, okay, he's, been, he, he's very hungry and he's offered bread. And that might have seem, seemed attractive, but there's a lot of stuff that, that the devil here is putting on offer that wouldn't be attractive to Jesus. It's not like he's like, ooh, yeah, that's really amazing, but he's... he's Actually, there's something about testing. The same Greek word is used at other points when the Pharisees come up and pose a question to Jesus. 
There's a, there's a testing going on as if the devil, but we, we can see it as if the devil's offered something attractive, irresistible, and yet actually there's something around testing for Jesus in these words. And there's a testing that's going on that actually is not just about if he is the son of God, but what kind of son of God he is. The devil's come to see, okay, what is it that, what, what's this story that you're writing? What is it that you're about? What is it that you are after here? And so Paul Agutter said this, would he choose to be the kind of son of God who took shortcuts, did things the easy way, gave rev- reverence to those who clamored for it and relied on this sonship to get him out of difficulties? all for his own convenience and glory? Or would he be the kind of son of God who took the long, patient road, who put the needs of others above his own, who stayed true and faithful to his calling, all for the salvation of the world? What kind of disciple will you be? She poses the question. I love that there's a testing in this of what kind of son of God Jesus is going to be, not one to put down, put away the long-term, patient road some quick fixes and interestingly not one to use his power aside from God he stayed surrendered so I had a little um, I wonder what your temptations are I wonder where you where you find yourself getting distracted by the possibilities or where your flesh rises up and go ooh chocolate bar or ooh fruit I don't know what your temptations might be Mine's obviously the latter. Um, <clears throat> I give in now and again, but not too often. Uh, I was having a little walk around our local um, shop this morning. I was just going for some fresh air. I didn't have anything to, to go for. I wasn't going for a specific reason, but I just thought, well, I'll just walk around. And I've never been into that particular shop and just walked around. So I'm walking around. I'm looking at all the different options, all the different stuff. We've got chocolate. We've got alcohol. We've got all sorts of different things. We've got some milk there. But normally, when I go to that shop, because it's the local one, it's not got a whole load of options. It's normally when I've woken up that morning and I've got three kids to feed and no milk. So uh, I'm going quickly and I've got a purpose and I've got a focus. And I go in there and there's one yes that I'm saying. I'm not even thinking about no's because I'm saying yes to milk. I'm going in there and I'm grabbing a whole load of milk and that's, that's it. And I'm quick back before the kids wake Karis up and, or something like that. You know, she sleeps until 10 most mornings. <laughs> She is a kept woman, so good. Um, (laughs) I'm sure there was an analogy in there that I was supposed to be using. Uh, I want to talk today about uh, the important yeses. When it comes to temptation, we can think about all the no's. But actually, there's some real clarity. When you have a focus like Jesus had, he knew what he was about. He knew the kind of son of God he was supposed to be. And there's a focus about his mission under God that means he's probably not thinking about all the no's as much as we might think. And I think anyone who knows what no's are like knows it's really hard to say no. Scientifically, it's much easier actually to say yeses. Uh, I knew someone who used to work in the Disney store. Okay, I used to work in the Disney store. And on one of the trainings at these Disney store, I mean, I grew up loving Disney. And at one of these trainings, my manager said to me in these kind of sales trainings, put the product in the children's hands because then the parents have to say no. How bad is that? And how clever is that? 
It's ridiculous. I was so outraged. And yet, when you're having to say no to something, it's much, it's much harder. I get the privilege to build family around some of the people in our community who struggle with substance abuse. And if all that we're trying to do is to get them free from something, I think, we're, I think we've got a real battle. But if we're getting them free for something, there's something healthy around it. We're not just, we're not just focused around alcohol or all the bad stuff. We're focused on what we're being called to. All the way through the Bible, Jesus' story, God's story with, with the nation is, I've got something good for you. These are, these are what I need you to believe and understand of me in order to inherit it. So, I want to look at the three yeses. Everyone say three yeses. Three yeses. Oh, you're doing well so far. You're doing well. Okay. We need to say yes to being loved. We need to say yes to being led. And we need to say yes to being limited. Those are the three yeses. Let's go to yes to being loved. This is the uh, important part of this temptation. We focus on the temptation if we miss the fact that he's just had the son, like God speak over him. You are my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. If you're not familiar with the Bible, that's exactly what happens just before. He's been baptized. The Holy Spirit comes upon him. People hear this voice saying, this is the son of God and God loves him. If you are trying to navigate all sorts of temptations and do's and don'ts and knots and all that kind of stuff without knowing that you are loved by God, that is the standing point. That is the first thing you need to know. You need to know that you're loved, that you're valued. Because otherwise, we do all sorts of stuff to try and gain value. We do all sorts of stuff week in, week out to try and get significance. I've, I've applied to jobs and I've tried to get roles and I've tried to get stuff like that just so that I can feel more significant about myself because I'm, a, 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 I'm getting distracted from what God says of me. And in God's mercy, he closed all those doors or I was just rubbish at the interviews. I don't know which one it was. <clears throat> so the challenge often isn't whether we're tempted this, whether we're tempted that. It's whether we've got a healthy view of how loved we are, whether we would call ourselves the beloved. I'm going to ask for your permission to, to read a long quote. It's a long one, but it's a good one. Do I have your permission? Yes. Okay, it's going to be on the screen, so it should help us. It's by um, a Catholic writer and theologian, Henri Nguyen, and, and he sums it up, I think, possibly better than I would be able to. So let's read. Over the years, I have come to realize that the greatest trap in our life is not success, popularity, or power, but self-rejection. Success, popularity, and power can indeed present a great temptation, but their seductive quality often comes from the way they are part of the much larger temptation to self-rejection. When we have come to believe in the voices that call us worthless and unlovable, then success, popularity, and power are easily perceived as attractive solutions. The real trap, however, is self-rejection. As soon as someone accuses me or criticizes me, as soon as I'm rejected, left alone, or abandoned, I find myself thinking, well, that proves once again that I am a nobody. My dark side says, I am no good. I deserve to be pushed aside, forgotten, rejected, and abandoned. Self-rejection is the greatest enemy of the spiritual life because it contradicts the sacred voice that calls us the beloved. Being the beloved constitutes the core truth of our existence. 
It's a good quote, isn't it? Should we read it again? <laughs> We're not going to, it's all right. <laughs> Let's just read that five times. So true. I was speaking a couple of weeks ago on the, on the abounding love of God. The abounding love of God. And John, who wrote a gospel, refers to himself again and again as the disciple whom Jesus loved. What a way to identify yourself over this next week. That is the first yes you need to say when trying to avoid temptation. So yes to being loved. Who's ready for the next one? Five people. Yes to being led. Here's a, here's a yes that Jesus said in this, in this passage. He said yes to the Holy Spirit in the first place. Who sent Jesus into the wilderness? The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was the one who led him into the wilderness and he was full of the Holy Spirit. There's a, there's a yes that we need to be saying day in, day out to the promptings, to the shapings, to the leading of the Holy Spirit. That is a yes. And we'll find ourselves in situations and circumstances where God is already there because that's what he's inviting us to. It's almost like he's having a party and he's like, say yes to my party invite. Oh, you're not in the party. You're going to find yourself with all sorts of, you might find yourself in places that aren't going to be helpful for you. But here's, here's a yes that Jesus has said. So he's in the wilderness because he said yes to the Holy Spirit. And there's something about surrender to God, to being led by God, that helps. But it's not just the Holy Spirit. Jesus is led by the Word of God. Throughout this passage, he uses the Word of God when it comes to temptation. Did you know as much as 10% of the words Jesus spoke in the Bible are the Bible, or at least references to Scripture. 10%. Imagine if 10% of Karis' words were biblical. Do you know what I mean? And David's, okay. <clears throat> Can you imagine if 10% of the words that we used were, were, were truth, were that much truth? How often can we get stuck into all sorts of other words? And even at his most vulnerable and isolated, this is what I love, on the cross, carrying the weight of the world, Jesus chooses to express himself through Scripture. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Even at that lowest point, he's using scripture. He's being led by scripture. He's got a frame of reference when it comes to being led. It's not just by the Holy Spirit in terms of go here, go here. He's got this structure. Ever since he was a little boy, he's been, he's been training, he's been preparing. We don't win in the wilderness because we suddenly, we've got a pocket Bible that we just whip out and go, hang on a minute, that sounds interesting. Just hang on a minute. Jesus had been studying scriptures from little. He was schooling the teachers at 12. He's, he's got the word of God in him. I wonder if we would be as confident about that. It gives us a frame of reference. Has anyone ever been to a, um, uh, Alton Towers? Yeah, I know. You only go once. Um, <laughs> has anyone ever been to a National Trust big garden? Has anyone ever been to Ikea? Has anyone ever got lost in any of those places? <laughs> Particularly Ikea. Yeah, I know. It's helpful to have a map, isn't it? Okay, it's helpful to have a map. But it's also helpful to know where you are. Okay, so here is the you are here. And this, I'm going to say, is a little bit like having the Holy Spirit in us. It's like, it's like the GPS in your phone. It's great, and it's really useful. But unless you've got maps loaded onto that phone, 
it, you're going to struggle to... It, God's, it, we make it harder for God to lead us. But when we know the Bible, when it's in us, when it's in us, it's easier for us to... It's easier for to, to know the way around. Is anyone, is anyone from Milton Keynes? Okay. Okay, I think I can say this. So here's a map of Milton Keynes. How many roundabouts do you want in one town? I've lost so many clutches in Milton Keynes. Um, See, if you're trying to get your way around and you've just got the map, you're struggling. If we, just, if all we know, if, if we just, if we delve into the Word and we've got the Word, and we, but we're not expecting the Holy Spirit to lead us, I think we've only got part of the picture. But if we've got both, thank you, Jonathan. Oh no, it's not working, Jonathan. What happened? Yay! You are here. If we, if we, there's something around this. It, it's a crude, it's, it's it's a crude example, but. We need to be led by the Holy Spirit, but we need, to be, we need to have the framework of the Word of God in us in these moments. That was, Jesus chose to be led. He chose to be led. Great. There's one, there's one slight difference. Uh, I'm hoping that we choose these yeses with Jesus. One of the things that we have that he didn't was Jesus himself. We have someone who went through all of those, as we said from Hebrews. He went through those so that we can see the example. Tim Keller says, we don't just need the word of the Lord, we need the Lord of the word. And we do, we need the person of Jesus leading us. And he's been there and he's done it and he's overcome. Amen. Okay, so yes to being loved, yes to being led, and then yes to being limited. This is a big yes that Jesus chose, even in coming to earth. He chose to leave behind all of heaven and come to a manger, a stable. But he also chose to do that in a way where he didn't, as, as he responds to the enemy in this passage that we've read, there's all sorts of things that he could have access to. We've got all sorts of things that we could have access to. And I wonder if we can get easily distracted from what God has chosen for us because we think it's okay to try and have everything. And that's exactly what the enemy offers. He, he offers the world. He lies about the potential of the life that you could have if you would just compromise. If you just had this car with all its fancy features, then that would be sorted. You'd be, you'd be fine. I was watching Six Nations yesterday. And, and what I love about watching it on ITV is I get to see adverts. Because I, I do so much like watching on demand nowadays. I, I miss out on adverts, whether it's Netflix or iPlayer, and to see the amount of money that's invested into telling us how we should shape our lives so that we can have an extra megapixel in our phones, or if, so we can have, I think we're going to get to a point where the whole backs of the, the smartphones are just cameras. There's going to be like 50 cameras on the back that give you the best photo ever. I'm going to read from Matthew 16, one of our last passages. You can turn there if you want. It's just a short one. It's going to be on the screen. Thank you, Jonathan. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, the chief priests, and the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. So Peter, Peter has a little pastoral moment with Jesus. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. <clears throat> Don't do that with Jesus, just, just, just a little bit of a, just a heads up. 
Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? This is Jesus' teaching, as opposed to what the enemy says, where you can have the world, you just have to give up something. He's saying, he's saying give up trying to have life. Anyone wants to follow me, you have to deny yourself. It's choosing to be limited. I wonder what your aspirations for this next year are. I wonder what you're hoping for. I wonder how you use your freedom, whether it's political freedom, whether it's the freedom of having some spare cash in the bank, whether it's freedom in relationships. I don't know what your freedoms are, but how you choose your freedom, how you choose to use your freedom is important. And if Jesus could choose to be limited, then I think we have a challenge too. Because there's all sorts of different things that are on offer that could distract us, that could de-story us because we start living for something that's very different. And that distraction can be very much our own pride. We can think that we're better than we're not. We can think that we've got it. We can think that we're okay with this, this meeting that we've got on Wednesday or Monday or wherever your meetings are, your important moments in the week in your frontline points. We can think that we have enough of what it might take. But I think there's part of choosing to be limited that Jesus modeled where he, he only ever did what he saw the Father doing. There's a surrender to our discipleship and our following and our obedience to Christ that is, that is so important in saying, God, we can't do this without you. If we want to see this town transformed, if we want to see this nation changed, and it needs changing, we've got to recognize our own limits and say, God, Not only am I going to limit myself in terms of what I try and get hold of, I'm also going to be aware of my own limits and not let pride sneak in. So, when it comes to making sure we're on track with God's story for you, three yeses. Choose to be, say yes to being loved. Say yes to to being led and say yes to being limited. Would you stand if you're able to? We're gonna gonna spend some time praying. Um, Thank you so much. If you are new to us, if this is your first experience of Trinity Cheltenham, thank you so much for joining us. I hope that wasn't too long. Thank you. We believe in the power of God's word. And we believe in the presence of the Holy Spirit with us. And uh, we, we like to take some time towards the end of our gatherings and make sure that there's space to pray for each other and to, to ask the Holy Spirit to move amongst us. So that's what we're going to do now. Um, I'd, I would really love to see a whole bunch of people down at the front just, just engaging with, with some, some of those loved, led 
limited stuff. If it might be that you already know what you need to, to do. But let me give you just a, a few prompts. It, it might be that you're just aware that you are, um, that your relationship with God's word, the word of God, um, is lacking. It's, it's not lacking in a kind of condemned, condemnation way, but you've, you actually really want a hunger for the word. You want to have a bit more of that frame of reference so you know how to navigate life. I'd love to pray for you. It may be that it's, just, it's, it's the foundational, fundamental. I, I need to know more clearly that I am beloved, that I am loved by God. Because so much of my actions and decisions are based around trying to find significance in something else other than being a child of God. I'd love to pray for you around that. It might be for some people that actually God just wants to remind you of the story that he is writing for you that you might be otherwise be distracted of. That imagery of me going for milk. If, if you know what you're going into a shop for, there's less opportunity for you to, to get distracted into something else. So maybe God wants just, just to reaffirm what he's called you to. So... If you, if you know that there's already stuff that you want to start, um, just, there's nothing magical about this front area except that we can get some people around you and we believe that that can be helpful to, to pray. So do begin to come down if you, want to, if you want to have prayer. I'm just going to invite the, the Holy Spirit just to begin to, just to, begin to work. Yeah, just, just down the front is, is fine. So Holy Spirit, we, we welcome you. I hope that's not just my prayer. Make it your prayer in this moment. Come Holy Spirit. If there's particular things that you want to challenge us about in this moment, would you come? Would you come? Come, Holy Spirit. Jesus. It'd be great if we could have people just aware of people coming forward so that we can pray. Plenty of people coming forward, but I know, I know there's more. We're not waiting till it's um, drastic to pray. We believe that we need the power of the Holy Spirit to go into our weeks. So Holy Spirit, come. If you, if you know you need to do some processing with God around patterns of behavior that are ingrained and you, and you feel like you're stuck, you feel stuck in, in habits, 40% of the actions that you take every day are not decisions, they're habits, 40%. You might just want to come forward and say, God, would you, would you break that habit in me? Would you help me to choose a different yes? We could still do with some people down the front to pray. A couple of people on this, this side, thank you. Gentlemen on my left, you're right. If there's someone who could pray, if you're part of the family here, we'd love for you to, to come down. Jesus.
Jesus. So I say, these are words from Galatians, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. And the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So Lord, I pray for a whole for everyone in this room that we would be led by your Holy Spirit, that we'd be aware of the things of the Spirit. That in this moment you would refresh us and refill us, that we would go on being filled by the Spirit. <laughs>